Hello, today is the first Sunday in Lent, and I'm glad that you are here. I would invite you to pray with me the collect appointed for today, and also the uh, collect appointed for Ash Wednesday, which is to be repeated uh, throughout Lent until Palm Sunday. Let us pray. O Lord, who for our sake didst fast forty days and forty nights, give us grace to use such abstinence that our flesh being subdued to the Spirit, we may ever obey thy godly motions in righteousness and true holiness to thy honor and glory, who livest and reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and dost forgive the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthy lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of thee the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, in the collect for today, we pray to Jesus, um, or we primarily address, address our prayer to Jesus, and we recount that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we'll be reading the account of his fasting for 40 days and 40 nights a little bit later because that's the gospel appointed. But it is important for us to remember that Jesus Christ was holy and completely divine, but he also was holy and completely human. Uh, so that when we read that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he felt just as any of us would feel uh, fasting for that period of time. He was hungry. He was tired. He was uh, no doubt weakened by, by doing that. And so as we are in Lent, this time when many of us either give up or take on things, uh, in an effort to draw closer to God, we pray that we pray to one and we have an intercessor who understands uh, exactly what this is like for us. In fact, he knows far better than any of us could know. So we acknowledge that he did that, and then we ask him to give us grace to use such abstinence that our flesh being subdued to the Spirit um, we may ever obey thy, his godly motions and righteousness and true holiness uh, to, the honor, to his honor and glory. We don't fast to get in good with God, to score points with God. We do so, however, to subdue our flesh to the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, and as we obey his godly motions in righteousness and true holiness, uh, we are blessed to be able to draw closer to him. And we do so not to our benefit or to score points, as I said before, as some people mistakenly think, but we do so to God's honor and glory. We acknowledge that Christ lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one triune God, a uh, world without end, eternally. Amen. Here beginneth the epistle appointed begins at 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing anything. St. Paul is here writing to the church at Corinth, appealing to them and imploring them that they put nothing in um, in the way or that they honor God and that they, they continue to follow God and not to have received God's grace in vain. Um, and he quotes, he has this quote from Isaiah, in the favorable time I listened to you and in a day of salvation I have helped you. And then he tells them that now is the time, uh, the day of salvation. Now is the favorable time. And he goes on and he catalogs how he has put no obstacles in anyone's way. St. Paul lived a life that was largely sacrificial. He did not have an easy life. He did not have a, a comfortable life at all. He lived a life of service to God. And so he committed himself by in every way, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, sleepless night, nights, labors, uh, hungers. He had suffered mightily for the cause of Christ, but he did so because he loved the church at Corinth and others. And so he was glad to do so. He was glad to do so to honor his Lord. And then he notes by Purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. Although he had suffered all of that, he had faithfully followed Christ. He had kept pure. He had continued to labor. He had showed patience and knowledge. He did so empowered by the Holy Spirit, genuine love, And then he noted we are treated as impostors and yet are true. The great dichotomy between the way he and the other apostles were treated and what things actually are. They were treated as impostors, yet they were the true followers of Christ. As unknown, and yet they were well known. As dying, but ironically they, le they lived. As punished but not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. They possessed everything because they walked in the grace of the Lord Jesus. So we should be reminded that now is the 
day of salvation. This is the favorable time. And, and if you have not trusted in Christ, I pray that you will do so now. The gospel is found in the gospel of St. Matthew, the fourth chapter beginning, uh, the fourth chapter. And here, here it begins. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you stri strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, it is, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the, level the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Well, as I mentioned before, uh, briefly, when discussing the collect appointed for today, when Jesus was uh, just as human as any of us are, yet without sin. And so when the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, uh, he, he did so, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's, that goes probably without saying, but Scripture says it anyway. Now, I have fasted for one day before. I've missed a meal occasionally. There have been times when I was working very hard where perhaps I was quite hungry, but I have never had, and I'm willing to bet that any of you listening to this, uh, to this have never had the kind of hunger that one has after 40 days and 40 nights without eating. Now, it is true, we know physiologically, that after a few days of fasting, one's stomach actually begins to shrink, and in some ways, the hunger is, is controlled, but at the same time, in 40 days and 40 nights of not eating, you're going to be in a weakened state. And it was then that the devil came to Jesus. It was then that Satan came to tempt him. And so the tempter comes, and he, and likewise he will attack us when we are weak, but he comes and he says to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, Jesus could have done that very easily. And I'm sure if he was, had been fast, since he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, there was a great temptation to do that. But Jesus then, notice how he answers the devil. He does so out of the Holy, the Holy Bible. He does so out of the scriptures as they were at that time. Of course, the only scriptures at that time were the Old Testament. But Jesus responds to the devil out of Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, the third verse. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That was his answer to the devil's suggestion that he command the stoves, the stones to become loaves of bread. And so then the devil takes him to Jerusalem. He takes him on the holy, te- the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to, the, to him, if you were the son of God, throw yourself down. And then the devil, lo and behold, quotes scripture. He quotes the 91st Psalm. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. The late Presbyterian theologian John Gerstner uh, said that, or cautioned against thinking that the devil and his demons are ignorant of Scripture. He said, no, they're world-class theologians. In fact, the devil knows Scripture. The devil can misquote Scripture. Scripture taken out of context can be made to justify all sorts of things. That's why we need to be whole Bible Christians and familiar with with all of the Word of God. Because here the devil tempted Jesus and he tried to use Scripture to justify it. But Jesus answered him, you shall, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so Jesus again rebukes him. Yes, God is able to preserve us through all types of calamities. I trust in that and believe it myself. But at the same time, I wear a seatbelt. Robert Louis Dabney was a Presbyterian theologian who served as chief of staff to General Stonewall Jackson during the war between the states. Robert Louis Dabney, uh, or Jackson's army, has often been compared to an extended camp meeting. And so even though uh, Robert Louis Dabney, for the great bulk of his service in the war, was not serving as a chaplain, there were daily uh, there were daily services, so he still had occasion to preach. And being a Calvinist, being of the Calvinistic stripe, he preached about the sovereignty of God. And one day, it is recorded, there was an engagement, and he took shelter behind a rock as the bullets were flying, and some of the men who saw him said, well, Major Dabney, thought you believed in the sovereignty of God. And he said, well, yes, I do. But if God sovereignly placed these rocks here and this, this tree here for me to take, uh, for me to take cover, it would be sinful for me to neglect it. Likewise, we can be confident, but we should not be foolhardy for Jesus to throw himself down from the temple would have been foolhardy. It would have, it would have been presuming upon God and indeed would have been blasphemous. So Jesus answered him, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil takes him 
to a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus responds, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then we read that the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The irony, of course, is that through the cross, Jesus now is at the Father's right hand, and he does live and reigns over all of the kingdoms of the earth, as he will do through eternity. Jesus ultimately uh, was fed. Jesus did not throw himself off of the temple, but ultimately the angels did minister to God. And through all of this, you see that all of all of what the devil tempted him with came to pass, but just not in that time. It wasn't God's time yet. And so Jesus Christ, the second person of the triune Godhead, was willing to be in submission to God's, to God the Father's timing. There are occasions where we ourselves have to wait, where we may be tempted, we may be tried, we may be frustrated. And in those seasons, it is important for us also to rely upon God's sovereignty and his grace and his goodness and his mercy. When we are tempted, we should remember that we serve, we have an intercessor who was tempted as we are, yet without sin. And for that we can say, uh, thanks be to God.